There were 10 steps that I took to reclaim my health from Hashimoto's. And I shared the first five of them with you in the last episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites. Today, in part two of this two-part podcast series, I'll be sharing the next five steps. And really, the this is like the happy ending part of the journey. So I hope you'll join me today for the rest of this personal story on how I reclaim my health from Hashimoto's. Let's dig in. Hello, thyroid drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. Welcome back to the show, thyroid drivers. In this two-part podcast episode, I am sharing my personal story of healing, going from sickness turning me into somebody I didn't even recognize anymore to reclaiming my vibrant, happy self. In part one, I shared the ups and downs of really the first part of my thyroid journey and, and what I would consider like the struggle part of the journey. In today's part two, I'm going to share the next five steps that really are what gave me my life and energy back. So well, this is like the beginning of the happy ending. Okay. And of course, our healing journeys, they never end. Health is a journey, not a destination. And I will be on this journey as long as I'm here, right? But really, this is about, you know, as a thyroid patient, like going from getting diagnosed to starting out as an uninformed thyroid patient and really struggling because of it, because I didn't have the answers I need, I didn't know any better, to then getting some answers getting the medical help that I needed, getting to the root cause. And, and, you know, today we'll start to get into some of what that treatment looked like for me. Now, of course, this is my own personal healing journey and no two thrivers journeys are the same. I'm sharing this not as medical advice or a substitute for medical advice of any kind, but just for your own personal inspiration. Maybe you'll see yourself in my story. Maybe some part of it will inform or inspire your journey. I I believe so much in the power of storytelling and in sharing our own personal stories. So my hope and intention with, you know, sharing really this aspect of my healing story, my turnaround story, my transformation story, if you will, is just in in like helping you kind of get a picture of what it can look like. But again, we each have different root cause factors. We have different health circumstances. We've got different genetic stuff going on. We have different histories, different health histories, all of that. So, you know, cherry pick from what I share with you today here If you haven't heard part one of this yet, I do suggest that you go back to to the previous episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites and part one of this story so that you can, you know, hear the, the whole story. But yeah, why don't we, without further ado, go ahead and dig in to part two. So step six of how I reclaimed my health from Hashimoto's is that I changed what I eat. After I started getting these tests done with my naturopath, the first test results started to come in for food sensitivities. 
I had been gluten-free for a while already. I had been kind of experimenting with that, experimenting with grain-free, noticing and making some correlations like, wow, I really do feel better. Like my brain fog is a lot better, for example. And it's just starting to kind of connect those dots between what I was eating and how I felt. And gluten is, of course, you know, one of the most common, eliminating gluten, I mean, is one of the most common dietary recommendations for thyroid patients. I knew that I had issues with gluten, but I had no idea that I was highly sensitive to dairy, all dairy, as the results of my food sensitivity testing showed. And that included goat's milk, whey, and yogurt. And I had, I mean, dairy at the time was a huge part of my diet. I I thought it was so healthy and good for me. I was, I just ate it with abandon. Loved Greek yogurt, loved cottage cheese things like that. I didn't drink a whole lot of milk, um, but sure would use it. You know, I mean, I was just eating a lot more dairy and I love cheese. Of course I used to be a, I was a cheesemonger for a while. That's not all though. That food sensitivity test also showed that I was highly sensitive to eggs, not just chicken eggs, but also duck eggs. And I think maybe even turkey eggs were on there. There were like three or four different kinds of eggs. I was, you know, off the charts on sensitivity for all of those. And I couldn't believe it. Like as a former cheesemonger, how was I going to survive without cheese? As a chef and cooking instructor, how was I going to cook without gluten or dairy or eggs? And I felt really like a painter who's been told, you can only use half the colors on your palette now. I was I was heartbroken, really. It was big news for me and not in a good way. It was kind of like a bomb dropped. Now, I want to mention here that food sensitivity is somewhat controversial. and what I hear from most practitioners is to take the results with a grain of salt because it's very difficult to replicate the results of a food sensitivity test. These are tests looking primarily at IgG reactions or food sensitivities, not necessarily like full-blown food allergies. I've heard some of my favorite, most like highly respected experts who do tons of research on this stuff say, yeah, food sensitivity testing, you're going to get different results every time you take it. And I'm telling my story here. So I get to share this part because this this is what it meant for me and why I do think it can be valuable if you understand that and you know to kind of take these results and some of these results with a grain of salt, that there can be inconsistencies. But when I got that food sensitivity testing done and I could see on paper like dairy off the charts, eggs off the charts. It was kind of like a light bulb went off because I had been having some major debilitating stomach pain that I hadn't been able to correlate with anything. And it was like, wait a minute, what if that has something to do with this? And as it turned out, it absolutely did. I discovered that my debilitating bouts of stomach pain that had you know, the doctors had put me on long-term proton pump inhibitors for was actually a result of eating too many eggs. I can eat eggs. I just can't eat them like every day. I mean, I was eating them pretty much almost daily. I would say five times a week at the time, which for me is past my personal threshold with eggs, making that correction resolved this like years of debilitating stomach pain that they could not resolve even after thousands of dollars in testing, including endoscopy, including like radioactive dye and 
all that, you know, all the, I had it all done. And they were like, yeah, we don't know. So that's why I do think food sensitivity testing can be valuable for some of us because it was valuable for me in that it just gave me some clues. And then of course, I was able to take the clues from the food sensitivity testing and validate them with what is considered the gold standard of identifying food sensitivities, which is the elimination reintroduction process, meaning you eliminate the food for say a minimum of 30 days, then you reintroduce it, you you reintroduce enough of it to like incite a reaction if there's going to be one. And then you pay attention over the next three to five days with what happens. Do your migraines come back? Does your debilitating stomach pain come back? Does your joint pain come back? Do your digestive issues come back? You know, and you track those results. So that continues to be considered the gold standard for identifying food sensitivities is that elimination reintroduction process. Technically, did I have to get food sensitivity testing done? No, but again, it gave me clues. And those clues ended up being absolutely life-changing for me. That Wow, I had no idea that eating as much dairy as I was eating was causing me a lot of joint pain and a lot of bloating and a lot of digestive issues. And I had no idea that eating more eggs than I should be eating for someone with like, this is something that runs in my family. My grandfather had it. My mom has it. I have it. My son has it. An egg intolerance. Okay. Not an allergy, but an intolerance. I was eating way too many eggs and it was giving me horrible stomach pain that would hit me out of nowhere. It wasn't always right after I ate eggs. It hit me out of nowhere. I'd be like curled in the fetal position. It'd be like, I'm going to pass out from this pain, you know, and could not get any answers for that. So I will always be grateful to that initial food sensitivity test that my doctor ran, because that was a root cause factor for me, for sure. Even though as a chef and as a food lover, it was like a bomb dropped into my life and I had to go through a grieving process and cry a lot of tears about the dietary changes that I needed to make, it was absolutely worth it. Sure, it wasn't easy to accept those results. It took time to make those changes. They didn't happen overnight. I had to throw myself a pity party that lasted several weeks, if not months in some cases. You know, I I ate and mourned the loss of so many of my favorite foods. It took time to wrap my head around what it meant to be a, a foodie and a chef with dietary restrictions. It completely changed my entire livelihood, you know, and this is right around the time I, I became hypothyroid chef. I was working at the time as a cooking instructor, and I I started cooking professionally when I was 18 years old, cooked my way through college, eventually went to culinary school. I've worked in all kinds of restaurants, mostly fine dining. I had my own catering company. Like I've been chefing a long time. I've been writing about food a long time. This is like my fifth food blog, okay? My old food blog, it was like the whole brand was like defunct now that I was someone who, you know, could see that I was probably going to feel better without gluten and dairy and with a lot less eggs. And and learning that a lot of other thyroid patients really feel better when they address these unique bio-individual food sensitivities. It depends on the individual, of course. There are some really common rocks to look under. Gluten, dairy, sugar, grains, 
alcohol, legumes, nightshades, eggs, you know, it depends on the person. For me, my one hard line, it really is gluten. I try to avoid that 100%. I've gotten to a point in my healing where I can have some dairy. I've gotten to a point in my healing where I've learned I can have certain types of cheese. I've gotten to a point in my healing where I've discovered the threshold for things like eggs, for example. Okay. So while it wasn't easy to accept the results of my food sensitivity test, it was incredibly valuable to have them and to start doing the elimination reintroduction trials and beginning that process of creating my personalized bio-individual thyroid-friendly diet that was right for me, which is a big part of what I do with my coaching clients and a big part of what I do in the Thrivers Club. Hey, Thyroid Thrivers, Jenny here. I just want to pop in with a real quick message. If you're listening to today's show and thinking, I want to get started with this, I want to feel better, I need support, and that is my missing piece, I've got good news for you. I have created the group health coaching membership for thyroid thrivers just like you. It's called the Thrivers Club, and you can learn more about it at hypothyroidchef.com slash membership. When you become a Thrivers Club member, you get access to me, your personal on-demand health and cooking coach, a full recipe library of thyroid-friendly recipes, including gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, and AIP recipes. You get access to an amazing, positive, healing-focused community of other thyroid thrivers who get it and who know what it's like to face the unique challenges that we face. You also get access to loads of expert resources created not just by me, but by other thyroid experts, doctors, nutritionists, all kinds of brilliant minds in the thyroid space. You also get access to monthly workshops and live coaching calls. And one of the best parts about the Thrivers Club and really where the results happen for people is that you get access as a member to our monthly wellness challenges. These are different every month. We cover a different theme each month. So our workshop will be about a different theme. Our wellness challenge will be kind of centered around a different theme. And those wellness challenges just provide extra inspiration and motivation to make those small but mighty steps that get us where we want to be on our healing journey. Let's find out what happens when you have that support that you need. I'd love to welcome you to the Thrivers Club. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to hypothyroidchef.com slash membership. So check out the Thrivers Club today. Okay, back to the show. Once I kind of had gone through, moved through some of that grief, which which I think is essential. It's part of the journey. I wiped my tears away and I had to pick myself up by my bootstraps and remind myself that I was on a healing journey that completely depended on one thing, my willingness to change, my willingness to change my choices and my behaviors. So I started out by trying an elimination diet called the autoimmune protocol or AIP, not only to heal, but to also, you know, give myself an opportunity to confirm or maybe disprove the results of that food sensitivity testing. There were other things on there like clams and pineapple that I'm like, 
you know what? I don't really notice any kind of reaction to these foods that makes it worth it to me to completely avoid them. I enjoy pineapple. I enjoy clams. If the opportunity comes up to have a bowl of steamed clams, I love that and I'm going to enjoy it. And there's a lot of nutrients in there. So that's that where that grain of salt piece comes in, right? I've tested it and I feel like I do fine with it. So, but I started to connect those dots, which symptoms were associated with which dietary culprits. And what I found for me was the elimination of grains led to a reduction in what was formerly debilitating brain fog. In the first half of my story where I was really struggling and my health was so poor and I had such awful fatigue, my brain fog was so bad that I sometimes felt like I'm not sure I should be operating a car right now. I'm so spaced out and out of it and just like my head was in the clouds. When I eliminated gluten, what I noticed was um, there was, I I have really sensitive skin and I had like a lot of flakiness around my chin, like that cleared up. When I eliminated gluten, it's never really come back. I also noticed a lot less bloating and a lot less constipation. And constipation is something that a lot of hypothyroid patients deal with because our gut motility is slower. The the pace at which our intestines like move things through and like digest essentially slows down and we can be on medication and it can help. It may even totally correct it. For a lot of us, we have that, those lingering, you know, even on medication, a lot of us are still dealing with constipation. So for me, eliminating gluten, it was like, well, that's gone, which was great. When I eliminated dairy, I noticed that, you know, my fingers, which had been like achy and swollen, my ankles, my wrists, my knees, this like kind of systemic inflammation really went down. And I also noticed a lot less abdominal bloating by cutting out dairy and again, constipation too. When I eliminated the eggs, I was also able to end years of that severe ongoing stomach pain. So these were amazing discoveries to me and and tools I still use. And again, those sensitivities can change over time. They can especially change as we heal our guts through good nutrition, lifestyle, the right supplements, etc., I have been able to eat more foods as time has gone on. I'm at a really good place with it now. Didn't happen overnight. But I remember when when it started, you know, in those early days of dietary restrictions, we were at uh our favorite local pizza place. And I remember my husband looking at me with such pity because I ordered a salad with no croutons and like a vinaigrette, which, yeah, I felt disappointed. I wanted the pizza. I was smelling the pizza, looking at the pizza. I wanted that. But at the time I was on AIP and I had committed to a period of time with, I'm not going there. I'm not doing the gluten and the dairy at all right now. And I, I, I had started to really feel some profound symptom reduction and was starting to already really reclaim my energy. And I, I looked him in the eye and I said, do not feel sorry for me. I'm getting my life back. This is good, you know? And, and what I didn't know at the time, and I think what I'm, you know, wanting to get across to you was that part was temporary. You know, I do at this point occasionally make the choice to just have some of my favorite pizza when I need it. I do. I I admit it. Do I feel way better if I totally avoid 
you know, gluten? Do I feel way better if I eat a lot less cheese? Absolutely. It just has become a rare indulgence. But the even better news for me is that a few years down the road, I was really able to expand those food choices rather than shrinking them. And I hope that, you know, that can be true for you too, because I've seen it be true for a lot of my health coaching clients as healing occurs over time. My family and I have arrived at a way of cooking and eating that works for everyone. And I don't live in a gluten and dairy-free household. I I don't, I choose not to impart that on my husband and son and you do you. And and a lot of households are like, no, I need this to be a a gluten-free household. And I totally respect that. And I I absolutely think in some cases, especially with celiac, that is 100% the appropriate thing to do. Um, That wasn't something I wanted to do. It's still not something I feel like I need, but we have arrived at a, you know, a happy place with our cooking, our meals, our family meals, where everyone's happy. There are there are not two meals being made every night. There's maybe slight adjustments between what I eat and what they eat. And oftentimes there's no adjustments. We're all eating the same thing. We've just adapted to this way of eating that works for everyone. And, and my husband and son have ultimately been increasingly more and more supportive as I've brought them into my healing journey and and shared with them about what it means and the whys behind these dietary changes. And with time, they've also seen when I do kind of stray from the path that I know is right for me, they see the fallout and they're like, "Uh." my son's like, mom, are you sure you want to do that? And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes the answer is yes. And that's okay too. Point being, I found a good place with it. But at that point on my journey, making those changes and those discoveries was a life-changing turning point for me and cemented the belief in the power of food and that food is medicine. It can't fix everything. It's not the entire healing journey. I think that's a pitfall to avoid is that some of us can put, you know, and I've certainly been there putting all the emphasis on food. Food isn't the only thing, but it is a foundational thing and it can't fix everything, but it sure can fix a lot of things. And learning what our bodies thrive on is incredibly profound for our ongoing health. So just another, you know, in the end, a silver lining of my healing journey. Step number seven, I enhanced my lifestyle. My lifestyle had to change. I realized that I needed to set aside time and energy for the sole purpose of my well-being. Like it makes me smile now just thinking of that because I have come to love that self-care time so much. But at the time, I really had to learn to integrate self-care, not just as another task on my daily chore list, but as a philosophy and a lifestyle, as a habit that is on autopilot now. You know, self-care is like such a buzzword. It's such a hashtag. And for some, I think it becomes kind of an eye roller, but there is a reason that it's such a big deal. It's kind of like, you know, how we keep hearing about things like sleep or gratitude. You know, there's a reason you keep hearing about these things because they're real and they work. And the adoption of a self-care mindset is really about personal transformation and thriving. It really embodies that and it enables that personal transformation and thriving. It's about worthiness and sustainability. And in the big picture, I think it's just 
a game changer on a planetary scale. When we're all like taking good care of ourselves, it helps us take good care of each other. It helps us take good care of the world around us. When you have no idea what you even enjoy anymore, when all your energy goes towards serving others, and yes, I'm talking to you moms, when your choices are ruled by the drive to medicate or bury stress rather than managing it, that's a problem. And it's one that I think too many of us, especially women have. My body really tells me when I push too hard. And sometimes it speaks quietly, like when it gently says, why don't you go lay in the hammock since you've just done four hours of yard work? You know, why don't you go spend 30 minutes in the hammock and recharge those batteries? Other times my body's a little bit louder and more insistent in its response to stress. And stress is a, it is the root cause of like the vast majority of illness and disease, right? We know this now, this has been proven. Throughout my healing journey, I have faced bouts of illness that lasted not weeks, but months. I faced insomnia that started to become chronic. I've had new symptoms pop up. I've had a stream of body strains and injuries that pretty much stopped all my normal activity, much less exercise. And it took me a while to realize that things like that, the string of injuries, the ongoing illnesses, the symptoms that just keep piling on each other. These are messages. These are our bodies talking to us. And the message that I was getting was that I needed to adapt my life to making room for the fact that I had a chronic thyroid illness. I needed to take better care of myself so that I could continue to live and enjoy a semi-normal life. So it was really time to not only stop denying, but fighting with this reality. And my body told me loud and clear to do so. And eventually I listened. One of my favorite quotes is, the body speaks to us. If we listen to its whispers, we don't have to endure its screams. I'll give you some glimpses from my self-care transformation. I started meditating regularly. And with that, I began to notice my self-awareness skyrocketing, my stress decreasing, my relationships improving, my happiness improving because of all of that, my healing journey moving forward at a faster clip because of all of that. And another big one, just like a basic textbook thyroid symptom, is I started shedding less hair. That was a big one with uh, when I started to meditate. I also started taking more baths, like regularly, especially Epsom salt baths, which I love, super relaxing, helps reduce pain, uh, wonderful before bed, wonderful as an alternative to things like alcohol or shopping or surfing the internet after a stressful day at work or you know surfing social media after a stressful day at work. If you're feeling like turning to stress mitigating devices that you know do not support your health, experiment with things like taking a bath, going for a walk, meditating, and you will find that your craving for your need, your drive for those things that are less healthy dials down because what you're doing is you're actively managing stress in a healthy way. When you actively manage stress in a healthy way, you don't have to actively manage stress in an unhealthy way. It's really as simple as that. And that's been a huge part of my healing story. Another thing I noticed was that I started to shift my mindset 
about rejuvenating activities like time in nature, time spent journaling, time doing nothing, sitting quietly with a cup of tea, looking out the window, watching the birds and the deer and the bunnies. Instead of thinking of those times as lazy or unproductive time, which I totally thought of them that way before, I started seeing them as essential to my well-being. My physical activity also started to change. I used to go, you know, to the gym and would do these like just crushing boot camp sessions, you know, the, those super high intensity classes where I would just, they maybe worked for me when I was younger and before I had hypothyroidism and definitely before I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. After that, those same workouts really started to leave me exhausted. And I learned that they were triggering exercise-induced autoimmune flares in me. So those things gradually got replaced with things like dance sessions to my favorite music, forest walks with the dog, uh, shorter thyroid-friendly strength training workouts that really filled that strength and energy bucket rather than just profoundly draining it. I've written a lot on thyroid-friendly exercise. I have the thyroid-friendly workout kit. If you want to learn more about that, I will link to that in the show notes for you. But my exercise did change, you know, and I and I figured it out. So there's a way that I can exercise now without ending up exhausted for days after, without ending up with the rest of the day ruined, without any ending up in an autoimmune flare and in a way that enables me to stay strong enough and active enough so that when the opportunities arise for me to do the things I really love to do, like snowboarding and mountain biking and skiing and cross-country skiing and hiking and all that, you know, kind of more physically demanding stuff, I'm able to do that now without incident too, because I have this maintenance routine that works for me. So that was a big part of that step seven of enhancing my lifestyle. So in short, my new normal is to just really listen to what my body needs. And by doing so, I can continue to do the things I love. I use these examples because, you know, like the skiing and the and the mountain biking and the snowboarding, because those are the things that make me feel alive. They, to me, they're like a value and they're what I consider a quality of life factor. And having them, being able to do them is what makes me feel alive and whole. And I want to do them for as long as I possibly can. So that then motivates me to do the maintenance stuff, to eat the right food and all that, you know, take the supplements and take my medications and all that stuff, right? That motivates me to to keep doing all those little things every day. Changing my lifestyle and getting my energy back and managing stress has also enabled me to do things like creating hypothyroid chef and pursuing my dream. When I was in denial and not adapting to my illness, not aware even of my illness, life was way more difficult. And I was in this this place, those first four years of loss, 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 loss of freedom, loss of energy, loss of ability, loss of I mean, towards the end, it was like loss of ability to even work. And I've always loved cooking and writing and working as a cooking instructor, I could almost barely do anymore. And my writing because of the brain fog, I could barely do it. I can't do all this. If I feel like dog do, I just can't. So again, you know, 
all those little things, all those little practices I have adopted over the years are what enable me to to be here with you today. Moving on to step number eight, we discovered the primary suspect, we being my naturopath and I. More test results were rolling in, right? And they were really revealing to us more and more clues about my health mystery. With the results of a GI panel, a gastrointestinal panel, my naturopath and I discovered a major underlying issue, kind of like the main suspect. You might have already heard about this link between Hashimoto's and leaky gut, which is uh, more accurately known as intestinal permeability. My labs didn't show major signs of leaky gut, which is great, but they did show another condition linked to intestinal permeability called gut dysbiosis, which is is an imbalance in bacterial good guys versus bad guys. It's usually like gut dysbiosis is an overgrowth of dysbiotic or bad gut flora. Okay. So my naturopath and I reviewed my options. We looked at like, what is the specific kind of, of bacterial overgrowth that I was having? What, what strains of bacteria were overgrowing? And we made a plan and began treatment. Within 48 hours of treating that gut dysbiosis, it was literally, that was the moment, you may have heard me say this before, that was the moment when it was like someone flicked a light switch on in my body after four years of it being off. I got out of bed that morning, uh, you know, a couple days after I started like this treatment that we were doing for my gut dysbiosis, I got out of bed and I went for a run that morning. Like I've never felt inspired to go for a run in my life. Nothing against running. I'm not a runner. I've just never liked it. And my husband was like, I have never seen you in the 20 plus years we've been together. I've never seen you willingly go for a run, but yeah, I went for a run and you know what else? I didn't feel tired when I woke up. I felt rested, awake, alive. And along with that, I was like, whoa, my thinking is clearer. I feel happier. I mean, these are the results of increased energy. Energy, right? Energy is a key factor here for us as thyroid patients. I always think of hypothyroidism as an energy disease. So later that week, we go mountain biking and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not tired for days afterwards. I am getting my energy back. Within a week of being on treatment for gut dysbiosis, I was able to cut back my caffeine by about 50%. I was back. I was me again. I had completely forgotten at that point what it felt like to have energy. I had totally lost faith that it was possible to feel that way and to have energy again. That was a, another, you know, like you may have heard me talk about the, you know, that moment where in part one of this, where I was in the car and I just let out that primal scream when I got the test results, finding out I had Hashimoto's after four years. This was another huge part of that fire being lit, but like in a good way, like, oh, not only do do I not have to feel that way, but like there is a lot I can do here to reclaim my health and it is happening. Everything just started to fall into place. And I glimpsed the bright side of health once again. I was on what I like to call the sunny side of health street. So it was just a tremendous affirmation that I was on the right path. And it was just a huge victory and a huge part of my awakening as an empowered thyroid patient, as a thyroid advocate and a thyroid thriver. And it cemented this 
personal paradigm shift in the way that I thought about and approached my health. And that's never changed. That has never changed. And it has only helped and served me. Step number nine, strategic targeted supplementation. I won't say that I was anti-supplement before this, but I was definitely what you might call like a reluctant supplementer. I had just, you know, it's just like, oh, pills, I don't know. And I had read a lot of stories of like misguided supplement taking, doing more harm than good. And, you know, supplement companies putting a bunch of junk into their caplets that just weren't really doing anything. And, And a lot of us hear stuff from even from medical professionals like, oh, supplements just give you expensive pee. They don't really do anything for you. I had therefore kind of opted towards what I felt more comfortable with, which was like food, the most highly nourishing food I could give myself and my thyroid. I was really just trying to get what I needed from food. But when I got proper testing, it showed I had some nutrient deficiencies. And in addition to knowing that I had nutrient deficiencies that need to needed to be corrected and that were probably contributing to like some of my low energy and not feeling well, I also had now my naturopath's professional guidance on what supplements to take, what brands, quality brands what did she trust? And she does a lot of research on this stuff. You know, she guided me on how they're a lot more than just making your pee expensive. They can be a game changer. And I'm sure some of you listening probably have learned this. When you start getting on the right supplements, the targeted supplements, what they can do for our health and energy, for our immunity, for keeping us healthy is absolutely profound. There were some supplements that I took then that I no longer take. I mean, this is a a process of flux and flow and adapting to what our body needs when our body needs it and going with the changes that our bodies go through and kind of like riding that that wave with with our supplements, but by working through and finding, you know, the right products for my specific needs and nutrient deficiencies at that time, my healing, my energy, my immunity were so boosted. So it was just more validation. I'm on the right path. Not only am I on the right path, but I'm on the right supplements and I can feel them helping me too. So when we reviewed those initial test results, my naturopath said that, you know, there's a good chance that some of my deficiencies were related to my gut dysbiosis. And once I rebalanced and healed my gut, that need to supplement as well as some of my food sensitivities would likely shift too. That's that's what she shared with me. And that proved to be true in my experience. I mentioned that I used to be a person who rarely got sick, but those first four years with hypothyroidism, I you know, was in that near constant state of illness. I would have these bouts of chronic laryngitis that would last for three weeks at a time. And they would happen over and over. I'd ha- That would happen like three, four times a year. It was just back to back to back illness during those first four years of suffering. They were issues that I had rarely struggled with before. I had been on all these antibiotics, there was a point like really towards that rock bottom point where I remember driving myself to the ER because I had had this headache that lasted for days and days. And and in combination with the brain fog and everything else, it was like, do I have meningitis? And it was, I, I was so, I was so terrified. I was literally scared for my life and so emotionally beaten down. I was just 
really losing all hope. And the doctors kept assuring me that these issues had nothing to do with my thyroid. But how could that be true when the thyroid impacts every single system in the body? How can I fight an infection when I've barely got enough energy to get through the day? I don't have all the answers about that, you know, but here's what I do know for sure because of my own story. I haven't been on one single round of antibiotics since I started making these changes in 2015. 2015, okay? It's been years. I have not had to take one round of antibiotics with me. To me, <laughs> you know, that's proof. That that's a that's a metric that is vastly different than the three to four rounds of antibiotics I was going through in one season towards the end there. You know, the takeaway and kind of, I guess, the happy ending is that I have become a person who once again can say with honesty, I'm a person who rarely gets sick. Yes, I have Hashimoto's. Yes, it's a huge part of my life. Yes, I have to do a lot to take impeccable care of myself so that I can stay on the sunny side of health street. However, I am healthy most of the time. What a relief. What a gift. What a blessing. And I know that all these pieces of the healing puzzle have helped me. Diet, lifestyle, self-care. But when it when it comes to staying healthy and, and really supporting my immune system, I do really think of my supplements as like little superheroes. They just help me fight the good fight. They help me defeat the forces of evil strategic targeted supplementation based on testing, not guessing, in collaboration with and under the guidance of my my trusted naturopath recommending quality products, you know, I've come to really feel a lot of deep gratitude for my supplements. I've come to really acknowledge and value what supplements can do for us and, and what they've done for me on my own healing journey. And finally, we've arrived at the Last and final step, step 10 of how I reclaim my health from Hashimoto's, staying the course. So I was diagnosed again in 2011, and my recovery story really began in 2015 after I hit rock bottom and realized I needed to take the reins of my health and find the right doctor. And today I have so many tools in my toolbox when setbacks occur or new issues arise or I get sick or whatever, that I feel confident that it's just a matter of time before I'm back on track. I no longer feel terrified that, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And I don't know what to do. And everybody's telling me there's nothing actually wrong with me when I know there is. That doesn't happen anymore because I've learned to trust myself and trust the feedback my body gives me and honor it. I've gotten good help from good experts and I have all these tools in my toolkit that aren't just, you know, medication. I'm, trust me, I'm grateful for my medication. Got to optimize that, right? I'm grateful for my supplements, but it's also what I eat, how I exercise, how I manage stress, avoiding toxins getting support, our relationships, healthy relationships, all that stuff. After that first month of treatment, you know, when the light switch got flicked back inside me, I went to my follow-up appointment with my naturopath and I walked into her office. And before I even said a word, she was like, whoa, you look 
different. Like you look better or more alive or something. And I was like, yes. I mean, I still like it chokes me up just to think about it. I was like, I feel better. I feel like me again. And we sat in her office and we we reviewed all the progress that I had made and the, and the tests and like kind of revisited our plan. And, and she said, you know, considering your overall health picture and and the interventions that were, you know, successfully implementing here. She's like, I feel so optimistic about your continued health and vitality. She's like, I work with thyroid patients all the time who have been through what you've been through, who came to me the same way, who turned it around and they have those tools. It's a whole health, whole life treatment. And it has made all the difference in the world. So far, she's been right. That was eight years ago now. So since this journey began in 2015, I've stayed really committed to thyroid healthy food and lifestyle and, and the supplements and the optimal medication and getting the support. Support is a huge part of why I created the Thrivers Club. It's like I got to create my own support system. I need that support too. So all those pieces of the puzzle have contributed to me staying on the sunny side of Health Street. And sure, I've had periods where I have strayed from the path. I have had to hit the refresh button where health issues have arisen, where new health mysteries have popped up. But I know now that it's just a matter of time and mindset before I'm back on track. You know, the healing journey is so multifaceted. It's not one thing, it's all the things. There's no magic bullet, there's no singular pill, there's no quick fix. Optimal health is a lifestyle choice, but the good news is it's a choice that each of us has the power to make every single day. All things considered, I really feel, I'd say more strongly than ever, that changing what I eat and shifting my mindset from food as pleasure only to food as pleasure and medicine is really the bedrock and the foundation for my continued good health. Some other issues that I've tackled since 2015, I have addressed chronic candida. I've done the autoimmune protocol several times during my healing journey for uh, different bouts with gut dysbiosis. That seems to just be something I'm prone to and something my naturopath has you know, taught me. We are more prone to as thyroid patients. I have optimized my medication. That was a process that took about a year because you're making adjustments, you're waiting, you're testing, you're readjusting, you're waiting, you're testing, you're readjusting. So I had to have my doctor's help with that and, and go through that process to really figure out like what is the optimal medication that I feel my best on. I also had a point where I couldn't figure out why my brain fog was coming back and it was kind of a strange feeling kind of brain fog, not what I was used to. And I discovered that I have a bit of a sulfur processing issue that I was able to address, you know, with some, again, some targeted supplements. Those help me a lot with sulfur processing and just the awareness around sulfur containing foods. This is one of those kind of lesser known sensitivities to an otherwise very healthy natural chemical found in food. Sulfur is very detoxifying. It's like something we need, but 
me and several other thyroid patients struggle with sensitivities to some of these um, naturally occurring chemicals in foods like oxalates, salicylates, histamine, and sulfur. So I do have a thing, a little thing with sulfur that I've learned about along the way and figured out how to manage. And then of course, just shifting my treatment and diet and lifestyle as my hormones shift coming into my mid forties. I know there's going to be more challenges. There always are. There's always going to be something, right? But the thing is, I know how to face those some things now. So they don't induce so much anxiety or fear or helplessness or hopelessness or symptoms. It's so much faster from the problem arising to me coming up with an an effective action plan with the help of my doctor to course correct and to, to get back to optimal health. In between those challenges, in between the, you know, some things that always arise, there are lengthy and really joyful periods of, of truly optimal health. I feel so changed, so changed that way. I am pursuing my dreams. I love what I do. I love working with other thyroid thrivers. I found work and and a life that just, it supports me as I support others. And it supports me as I support others. It's just this uh, incredible reciprocal circuit that has been created. I'm able to be the mom I always wanted to be for my son. I'm able to once again, live my life on my terms, not on Hashimoto's. That's it. That's my story. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you heard or saw or felt pieces of your own journey in there. I'd love to hear about your journey. What what resonated with you? What have you found? What's been different for you? What would you like to share with me or with other thyroid drivers? If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and drop a comment. Let us know. Before we wrap it up, why don't we review the 10 steps that I took to reclaim my health from Hashimoto's? Step one, I stopped pretending I was fine and came out of the health closet. Step two, I began educating myself. Step three, I created a health timeline. Step four, I hired a health detective, meaning a doctor who was willing to help take the time to help me figure this stuff out. Step five, I took the tests, the needed tests. Step six, I changed the way I ate. Step seven, I changed my lifestyle. Step eight, we discovered, my naturopath and I discovered the primary suspect Step nine, I began taking the right supplements and the right treatment to really turn things around in addition to food and lifestyle changes. And finally, number 10, I keep going. I kept going and I keep going. This is what it looks like to reclaim your health. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. So keep going and never give up even when you run into setbacks. And now the journey continues. So I hope this has been helpful and informative to you. You know, my journey has been supported by so many thyroid experts that I just admire and appreciate so much for the work that they do. And it's been supported by so many other thyroid patients in this vast community to them and to you. I will always be grateful and strive to pay it forward. I hope at Hypothyroid Chef and on Thyroid Healthy Bites and in my newsletters and all my other, you know, social media content and blog posts and whatnot that you always find some gift of support 
of information, of encouragement, of empowerment. I really try to do that in everything that I create for this community. And I hope that in sharing my story of recovery today with you, that I can in some way maybe light the path for yours. So don't lose hope. It's possible. And if you're willing to do the work, your health dreams really can come true. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. And in part one of this podcast episode, if you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave a review. Those reviews really do go such a long way in helping to support the show. So I'll thank you in advance for maybe just taking a minute after the show to quickly do that. If you're listening on iTunes, I'm Jenny Mahar wishing you the best of health. See you next time.